I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to Left to Our Own Devices, a show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life, because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Today, my guest is Andrew Bigga. Andy and I first met when he was working in data analytics at JetBlue when I was writing Bring Your Human to Work. He is currently the Senior Vice President of People at Go Health Urgent Care. Go Health is a really cool company. It's disrupting healthcare with a hyper focus on the customer experience. Go Health operates in over 140 centers around the U.S. through joint venture partnerships with leading health systems. One of my favorite things about Go Health is on their website, which says, "Warning: Our centers may induce smiles." And I will tell you firsthand that when I visited the center, it did bring out a smile in me. And I'm excited for all of the listeners today to learn more about this amazing organization. So Andy, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Andrew. How are you? It's so it's great to see you. We were just saying, I, I guess I saw you a little over a year and a half ago in Atlanta. How's it going? Doing good, Erica. It's uh, yeah, doing well. I'm excited uh, for the conversation today. Yeah. So it's interesting. I would love for you to to, to jump in and, and tell our listeners about Go Health, what attracted you to the company. We met when you were working at one of my other favorite human companies, JetBlue. <laughs> um, and you've been there a couple of years now. And the company being in healthcare is crazy busy. So mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about the company and, and what's been going on there. Yeah, happy to share. So Go Health, uh, Urgent Care, we're, it's really on-demand healthcare. So uh, as you can imagine, uh, with everything going on with COVID, uh, we've uh, been on the front line of this pandemic uh, really since day one. Um, our largest market is New York. Uh, and so we've uh, been doing COVID testing since uh, early March. Um, and you know, for a while there, it seemed like every day there was a new kind of uh, change in uh, protocol and workflow and, and you know, a new update from the government or, or the CDC. So yeah, it's been uh, quite a run here, but, but, uh, but yeah, in general, the, even before COVID, uh, it's been an exciting journey uh, here at Go Health. We've grown uh, rapidly. So when I joined, it was uh, under 75 centers, uh, less than uh, 700 team members, I believe at that time. And we're now, uh, we're very close to 2000 team members, um, 147 centers and counting. And, and wow. really have found something that, uh, you know, on-demand healthcare is, um, you know, it makes so much sense uh, from a, a customer perspective, a patient perspective, but uh, our differentiation in terms of our model, um, all of our centers sit in a joint venture with a large health system, a leading health system in that market. Um, and it's been uh, just really exciting to be able to share this new way of delivering healthcare, this new innovation. Great. One of the things that struck me when I, I came in to the center, now granted I wasn't sick, I was coming in to, to interview the uh, Gary Weatherford, your chief customer officer for the book. So I will preface it by saying that. But what really struck me was that so much of how these centers are designed is intentional. And, you know, my work is about bringing your human to work is about honoring relationships. And that's what I what I think about in my life, honoring relationships with colleagues, with your boss, with your customers, with your patients. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about how these centers are designed both physically, but also in terms of process um, in a way that truly honors relationships? Yeah, I think that's such a, a great way to, to put the, the way these centers were designed. Um, you know, I think historically, if you think about your traditional uh, healthcare experience, you know, walking into the doctor's office, 
uh, typically there's, you know, there's a waiting room um, and there's a, a receptionist and, and you're kind of signing in. And, and even today, a lot of those offices still use, uh, uh, you know, a, a paper process. We've really designed our center and our, our concept of care around the, the customer experience. And so that, that concept of how do you establish that relationship? So we value transparency, of course. Um, you know, so the, where we can, we have glass uh, in front of our building so that uh, the patients can see in as they're walking in and our, our staff can see folks as they come in through the door. Uh, and we've redesigned it. So the healthcare provider, the, the medical uh, doctor or PA or NP is right up front. There's no back, back room office with, uh, you know, with oak shelves in the bit. Um, the providers are, are the hero of our story and they're sitting right up front and they, they may be the one to welcome you to the center, right? And establishing that relationship immediately as you walk in has been important to our, our entire story and our, the design of, of this new way of delivering care. Uh, the medical assistants, the, the rad techs, um, anyone could be at that front desk helping you register. Um, there's no one with a receptionist title, right? This, that doesn't exist at our, uh, in our model. Um, and so really the idea is that the folks who are gonna be giving you the care are the folks uh, you know, getting you registered, whether that's through an app online or, or through a, a, a tablet there at the front desk. And even the design of the centers themselves, as you've seen, um, they're, they're intentionally rounded. So that, you know, a lot of uh, intentional work has gone into the physical layout, but even the transparent glass of those rooms that as a patient or customer, and as you're, there's no waiting room, but there's certainly an area where you can sit. Uh, you can see into those rooms if there's no patient in them. Right? So there's no, we kind of take the mystery out of the process. And then as soon as you're in the room with the click of a button, it can become opaque. So. Uh, we obviously value privacy as well. This entire design was centered around that. Yeah, one of the things that really did strike me was two things about the design. One was when I walked in, I could see through from the front all the way to the back. Yes. And I love that, that that connection between the physical design and the value of transparency. And even in the, I can't remember all the details, but even in the individual rooms themselves, mm -hmm. like where the mirror is and and it's it it really did connect with me um, that it that it's a design that that honors relationships. Um, I'd love to to turn to a different direction for for a minute and talk a little bit about you. Um, as as I said in the intro, you and I met at JetBlue, which is an unbelievably human company, a company that that really does think about relationships in a way that I had never seen before. Um, can you talk about? The, the impact that relationships have had on on your life and have helped you reach the success that 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 you've reached and did that theme you've worked for two very relationship driven companies was that something that attracted you to go health to begin with yeah 100 percent um yeah i think it's uh it's certainly one of the things i was looking for uh in the in the new opportunity and it's been, it's been just a blessing throughout my career um i'm sure you can relate to this erica that Really, relationships are, are the foundational piece uh, of kind of how you learn and grow, at least, at least for me, it, it has been vitally important. But yeah, JetBlue was a phenomenal place to, to work, um, and I still stay connected with that team, and everything that's been going on with the, with the airline industry has been challenging, to say the least. But uh, gosh, I mean, even through it all, this is, I think, where your, your human comes, uh, comes out, right? Where <laughs> if you're able to do these things well and manage through, um, it, it's certainly a test of leadership. So, um, you know, was happy to, to have that experience and just feel very fortunate to have been able to, 
to work at JetBlue. And that, that kind of the concept of, you know, putting people first, um, bringing humanity back to air travel, of course, with JetBlue uh, and, and really what we're doing here at GoHealth, uh, making sure that the entire healthcare experience is centered on that customer provider interaction, that, that relationship. Uh, there's nothing that's more important than what goes on each and every day in our centers and, and that uh, relationship piece. Uh, just being able to see that front hand and, and when those two uh, components uh, are the center themes of your business, whether it's bringing humanity back or uh, the, the hyper-focus on the customer experience in the healthcare setting, uh, your people are your business, right? And from an HR perspective, I don't know what's more important than that. So you're naturally in a strategic uh, position to, you know, who you hire matters a great deal. Uh, how you train and onboard and, and all the different pieces you put in place. Um, it's really centered around that, that focus in, in that mission. So it's been great to kind of, uh, you know, obviously different industries, different challenges, but a lot of similarities. And that was part of what attracted me to JetBlue to begin with was that focus on uh, service and that focus on bringing humanity back to air travel, that, that idea of the relationship still matters. Um, and, and seeing that as we, you know, as I've continued to, Evolve here at, at Go Health has been phenomenal. So you, I, I speak to many chief people officers, heads of HR, uh, but your background is is different than many of them. That you came out of the data analytics side, and when I think about data analytics, I often talk about finding that sweet spot between tech and yep. connect. You know, is sort of a theme of my work. How do we leverage all that's amazing about technology and use that data to drive and foster connections? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to chat a little bit about it because there are, you know, I, a lot of people go get into HR, but don't come up through the same um, path that, that you took. So can you talk a little bit about her? Can you give an example, even at Go Health, where you've, you've done this analytical work and, and leverage that? Um, to impact how people connect in the business. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm a self-proclaimed nerd uh, and I, I certainly love data, love my numbers, uh, love research. I still um, stay connected uh, and kind of do my best to stay on top of the literature from a psychology perspective. But, but gosh, you know, I think there's, uh, there's such an opportunity to, to better use technology and data today than, than perhaps ever before. And that, but it's not, you know, it's not adverse to that relationship. It actually is meant to help facilitate it, uh, in my mind. And so that I know we've had some of these conversations. And really, I think that that's a great way to phrase it, tech and connect. And, you know, from a GoHealth perspective, I think there's two things we've done that have been really exciting. The first is, uh, how do you hire a provider that, that um, better operates in this, in this model, right? Where we really have a quality of care as number one, and that service that you provide uh, is critical. Um, how do we make sure that we're hiring the right uh, type of a provider for our model? It's better for them and it's, it's better for our customers. And we've used, uh, the, the great news is we've got access to all sorts of data, which is phenomenal. So the quality of care, we've got great measures uh, on that itself. We also have great measures uh, from the customers themselves. So net promoter score is something that we track on a visit basis. Um, we've been able to use uh, all that data um, to help us create a profile and build an assessment out. So we're one of the few healthcare uh, organizations that I'm aware of that use an assessment built in-house. And we're, you know, we're across, you know, we're in uh, several states now, seven joint uh, venture partnerships. So we've got a really great wealth of information and data to show that 
this type of a provider performs much better in our model. It's a great example that you're, which is in some way, I will say I married a nerd, <laughs> a data nerd. I am not a data nerd, um, but I do appreciate the value that that the data brings, that you're using the data, using the science to then predict a provider that's going to have stronger skills in his or her ability to connect with people, mm -hmm. right? It's like the hard skills are predicting some of the softer skills. Is that how, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah, hundred percent. You, you certainly have to have both, right? And uh, I think it's, you know, having sat in on a number of these interviews with uh, with uh, MDs and, and PAs and MPs, uh, you have to be able to to have both of those skill sets to have a, an analytical mindset. Um, I mean, they when I talk about evidence-based research, it's phenomenal. Our clinical leadership knows exactly what I'm talking about because that's how you practice medicine, right. of course. And you know, we talk about staying on top of the literature. They're doing it every day, every week. Uh, but you have to be able to have both skill sets, the, the uh, analytical component, be able to diagnose and assess uh, what's in front of you, but also that connection piece. I mean, some of the best uh, research I've seen in terms of, of the positive outcome is if customers feel they, they had a positive interaction with the provider on a, on a relationship-based uh, uh, experience, um, they're more likely to follow that provider's directions. And you think about, you know, how many prescriptions don't even get filled. Uh, I forget the exact right. number, but it's a large percentage of them. You know, people go through all this, uh, this time and effort to get to their doctor, and they don't even follow up on, on the guidance provided. So uh, that relationship matters, and it actually matters for people's health. Right. It's, it is potentially saving lives. So using the data, predicting the providers are going to provide both sides of that mm -hmm. coin. And then, and then the direct impact on on one's health. I, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 exactly the kind of example I was hoping that you would share. That really does tie tie all of this together. Because mm -hmm. I often say it's not. I'm not just talking about bringing your human to work and that there's this touchy feely element that it's why the subtitle of my first book was bringing your human to work is good for people mm -hmm. and great for business. These are real bottom line business implications and in the example of healthcare, life saving mm -hmm. implications. So thank you for that, that example, because sometimes it's hard to picture um, and really understand what, what, what people are talking about in this in this part of um, data analytics. So I want to shift gears a bit. This next book, as you know, is about rituals and how rituals can transform an everyday routine into, into workplace magic. And rituals, from a scientific perspective, they do a lot of things for us. They bring some order to chaos, which we could all use right now, and make us feel connected to something bigger. And I will say, and I, I am being 100% honest here that I don't say this to everyone, but the, but the anecdote that, that, that we're going to describe in a minute that will be in my new book is truly one of my favorites in the book. And the reason is, is that it's not rocket science. It's free. <laughs> Anybody could try this. Um, but I do believe that the impact is priceless. And so this ritual at Go Health is called the EOD, mm -hmm. and it stands for end of day. And I would love to you for you to share with the audience what it is, and you know how did you know when did it start, and 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 what do you think the impact is? Yeah, I love it. Uh, EODs, as as we call it. Um, so it's from the very beginning. Um, you know, trying to stay connected with 
with our frontline and with the folks in, in all of our centers. And so we, we asked the, the folks as they're kind of closing down for the day uh, to send out an email um, to leadership that kind of recaps their day. And there, there's some, a couple of data pieces uh, that are put in there. But we've been very intentional about, uh, there's just one question, uh, how was your day? Um, and that's the most important part of the EODs. And now we, you know, we get 147 of these each night and you know, all the different time zones. You, you know, when uh, the East Coast uh, centers are closing right around eight o'clock, uh, you're getting, your inbox is getting flooded with, with these emails. But going through and reading them, you really do get a sense of that person's day. Um, and it's been phenomenal. And it's something that we've, you know, we've talked about the, you know, evolving that process, um, but we've really come back to the essence of it. How was your day? Just having that conversation uh, has been great for us uh, to stay connected. And, you know, when you go out and you visit the centers, you, you'll know a lot about, uh, you know, the MA at a particular site. Uh, I won't share names, but uh, you'll know a lot about them just from their EODs ahead of time, right? Like you, you already get a sense of that person's personality. Uh, we'll often have uh, you know, people respond to different EODs. Uh, we'll nominate um, somebody for, for different awards based on, on some of the performances that we've seen, experiences from those EODs. But that, that conversation, I don't know how you can replace it at scale. And, and it gives us such a, a big opportunity for us to stay connected. Right. It gives you a window. So when, when the medical assistant or the radiology technicians writes this email at the end of the day, sort of summarizing the day or giving a highlight um, who gets the EODs? Um, I know that you're, you as the chief people officer, chief HR officer gets the EOD. Um, who else gets it and who typically reads it? Yeah. So our CEO, uh, gets each and every single one of them. Uh, Gary, uh, our chief customer officer gets it. Our COO, our CFO, the entire, uh, leadership team gets each one of these EODs. So there's 15 people, including all of our operational leaders. Uh, that get all the markets EODs, and then for that specific market, all the all the leadership and management within that market. So our our regional operation managers, our clinical leadership in each market, will get their respective EODs. And so, it's it's just been a phenomenal way for us to you know we'll, there often will be responses and kind of ongoing dialogue uh, based on a single EOD that uh, again has been uh, priceless in terms of our ability to connect. Right. I thought I would read, I have a couple here. You know, one, when I interviewed um, Gary Weatherford, he shared with me that um, there was one EOD that, that shared with, with the rest of the team, how a couple had come in to the center for some type of routine illness that then led to a surprise, luckily positive, uh, or positive, luckily surprise, uh, happy surprise pregnancy test. And both people started crying and, you know, he said, this is healthcare and these kinds of things can, can get emotional. So they'll send an email saying, you know, this is what happened in our, in our site. Um, during COVID, there were a, a lot of challenging moments and, but also uplifting moments and moments that really brought people together. Um, one that I'll, I'll read, this was from April. It was from a center from Connecticut um, how was your day? Today was another crazy phone call day. Patients that came were seen for various reasons to keep them away from the ER. And on a positive note, one of our first COVID patients that was seen back in March came in to thank us um, and saw we were all here today. Not only did she write a beautiful note um, calling us her heroes, she gave us each a $100 gift card to a local restaurant that surely made our day and made us feel um, appreciated. Another one totally different, also from April from North Carolina. How was your day? 
Nothing should go back to normal. Normal wasn't working. If we go back to the way things were, we will have lost the lesson. May we rise up and do better. Reflecting a lot today on all the brave Americans battling this virus, our hearts go out to family and friends facing all the unknown. And again, I, I read them because to me, this is such a simple, this is a ritual. You know something's a ritual when it would seem crazy if it didn't happen. And no one leaves the center before someone sends the EOD. Again, costs nothing. Um, but there's just a feeling you get when you read it. And, and I think people sometimes, as you know, you said and Gary said, are blown away when they actually get a response from the CEO. Like people are actually reading these things. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, well, and it, it's, it is emotional, right? I mean, healthcare business in general, I'd, I'd say is emotional, right? This, this idea that you can separate your emotion from work is crazy to me, but, but to, particularly in healthcare, it is emotional and you see it come through in these EOD. I mean, sometimes you, you follow up and you, you've got to call the person, like, hey, what, what happened? Like us talk about it. Sometimes there's, there's all sorts of challenges that happen, but, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, we're just, I'm so proud of the team and, and what everything, uh, you know, everyone has been through over the last few months. It's been just phenomenal to see people rise up to the challenge. And I mean, we've got, you know, other EODs talking about, you know, doing testing until two in the morning um, because that was the backlog, right? There was, um, you know, you can, we're all seeing it in the news, but we're experiencing it on the front line uh, that folks are really stepping up and, and gosh, I mean, it, mm -hmm. it's, it is an emotional time for everyone, but certainly for, for our, our heroes on the front line, our healthcare providers. Uh, and you're seeing that in, in their, their responses each day. So it's, it's been phenomenal. I couldn't imagine us getting through. Honestly, we didn't have EODs in place uh, before COVID. I don't know how we would have this level of connection. Right. Even more when people are, are remote and I mean, you're still going into the centers, but business mm -hmm. has changed. I describe it in the book as the EOD ritual is one part management tool and one part uplifting human engagement. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for, for the world to, to learn about this because I do think it's something that it's not rocket science, but it takes discipline and intention to do it and, and to do it well, but it is something that's accessible. Everyone can do it. Thank you for that. So now I want to turn to the time in the podcast. I have a question that I ask, um, one question that I make sure to ask every one of my guests to get to know them a little bit more. Um, question is, what do you do in your life that makes you feel most like you? Oh, goodness. The one thing I do in my life that helps me feel most like me. You know, I think each day I, I, you know, I think it's the helping the kids get up in the morning. I don't know if I'd say I'd always look forward to that, that alarm bell. The rituals in the morning at least help me, you know, dinner is always, you know, if you're having a good day, you have both breakfast and, and dinner with your family, which uh, does happen more often now that we're all remote. But, but I always kind of treasure right. that, that breakfast with the kids. And, and so getting everyone up, it may be a simple breakfast, so I, I'm not saying anything <laughs> elaborate, but uh, but that's been, you know, something I, I feel like, you know, you, there's no, you know, there's no uh, pretext with your children and your family. Like you're just, you know, there's emotions at times. Not everyone wants to be up that early. I, my uh, my son's four and my daughter's two. Uh, so all, all sorts of pandemonium has been going on with, uh, or yeah. <laughs> my son just started pre-K virtually this week. And so that, that morning breakfast uh, for all of us has been, you know, you, you know who you are in that moment. You're a dad and you're starting a day. 
I love it. It reminds me, you know, one of the chapters in this new book on rituals is um, beginnings mm -hmm. and endings. And I do think it's important for us to think about rituals in our own life for ourselves, for our family mm -hmm. and at work. How do we start a day? How do we start a meeting? How do we start a project? How do we end a project? You know, how do we end our day? And even that transition time, which I think is more important ever before, that, that transition between work and home when maybe we're just moving to a different room that's in the right. house. And so I, I do, I believe that that's thinking about beginnings and endings. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot more these days. For yeah. Sure. And I think in, in addition to that, there's this, I think we desire routine, right? And I, I was talking to a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Dr. Tammy Allen, who's uh, at the university of South Florida. And this idea of like, we're trying to create new routines in this remote, remote environment. Um, it's the beginning it's the endings, but it's, you know, uh, trying to get that walk-in uh, <laughs> after uh, at lunchtime, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get some sort of routine that it's different now, uh, but allows you to to take care of yourself so that you can be there for everyone else. So that 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 desire to find a routine and stick to it, I think, is something that I've certainly been trying to do a better job of being purposeful, being mindful of that. Yep. All right. So we are gonna end this conversation with just a quick lightning round of some fun questions to get to know you a little bit more. Um, so now that you've shared with us about your morning routine, what would you say is the the go-to breakfast? If all else fails, what are your kids going to eat? <laughs> they, they like cereal bars. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if we have any nutritionists out there, but I don't know if that's a good response or not, but, but my son, you know what, at that age, they'll, that will take oh, yeah, it. They right? love it. My, my son had to, he put the cereal bar in his uh, back pocket this morning. So. <laughs> I remember when my kids were little and this parenting expert, my, one of my kids was so picky said to me, I'm telling you right now, if your kids eat Cheerios, you know, three meals a day for a year, they will be fine, <laughs> you know, with the, with the amount of nutrition. So I've decided to, uh, I have a pretty low, low bar for that. <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, what was the last show you binged on Netflix, Hulu, or or whatever your go to? Oh gosh, provider is my my brother got me into the show the show Community. So it's I don't know if you've seen it, but it's uh oh no, it's uh, based on a community college. It's, it's a comedy show, uh, and I like it because there's I think there are only like twenty minute episodes. So uh, you know some of these some of these things I can't do an hour every night or whatever it is like. <laughs> like yeah. I don't have time to, to binge on an hour show, but yeah, it's a comedy show about a community college, which, you know, lots of uh, natural jokes in there, but that's been my recent one. All right, fun. How about books, fiction, nonfiction, anything you can recommend? Yeah, for whatever reason, I've been reading some classics. I was recently on a, a quick vacation to North Georgia here, uh, keeping it local, but I was reading Voltaire, um, <laughs> wow. which I don't know if that's too, too heady here. That's good. Very, very highbrow. I like it. A good friend of mine gave it to me, gosh, 15 or so years ago, and for whatever reason, I, I, I decided to read it over the vacation just a couple weeks ago. Great. And finally, what was the first thing when you got out of quarantine, you know, when we were all really locked down? What was the first thing that you did that you couldn't wait to do? Well, I have, yeah, I have two quarantine experiences. So I, we were, when COVID hit, that, you know, I mean, it was kind of building up, but that, that uh, second week of March, we were launching our seventh joint venture in, um, in uh, Delaware. And so I was on site for, you know, for opening five urgent cares and then uh, flew back the, that Thursday and Friday, we were like, all right, everyone's got to go you know, pack your stuff up because we may not be back in the office anytime soon. 
so because I, you know, had been around urgent cares and, um, you know, my family, I quarantined from my family for two. So I was in the basement kind of <laughs> doing, uh, my oh, wife would, wow. uh, would leave uh, meals for me at the top of the stairs <laughs> and uh, a change of clothes. Um, but we just, you know, we, you know, everyone, I mean, it's still obviously very anxiety provoking, but you know, it was a level 10 back then. Um, and so I was quarantined for two weeks, um, here at the house. And so I think the first thing, well, obviously the hugs with the kids uh, was, was the immediate, like I knew I was free from the quarantine. Yeah. When, uh, it was 14 days back then when they came down and, and dive bomb into one of my meetings where I, I, I think I got off the call actually because, you know, time was up. We were ready to, to break out of that. So that was, that's yeah. probably the first one. Um, and obviously, uh, being able to hug my wife and kids, you know, I think as, as we lift it up and actually move around a little bit, that, I mean, that first run to the grocery store, I don't know if, if it's the same for everyone else, but like, I thought I was in a movie. Like you're, it's like, it's like walking dead. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'm in a, I'm outside in a public facility with the mask on. Right. And, you know, and you can't breathe exactly. <laughs> it was, I don't know if I knew I was free, but I, I certainly knew I was out. That was for sure. Yeah, no, it is. It is surreal. Have you been on any jet blue flights since? Uh, I have COVID? not. No, the, it's not because I don't love jet blue, but the, there's only a few flights a day out of Atlanta here, so that that's. I was gonna say you really can't you really can't get anywhere on JetBlue out of Atlanta, but uh, I'm sure you missed that. Well, thank you so much for being here, and and it's great to see you see you yep. over Zoom. It was great having you here and having everybody learn more about you and Go Health and and this amazing EOD ritual. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate. Well, thank you, Erica. It. I certainly look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. Thank you for tuning in this week to Left to Our Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly newsletter, text the word HUMAN to 66866. Or you can connect with me by email at erica at spaghettiproject.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you next time.